0: All right. Well, welcome everyone to today's episode of Culture at Work in Tucson, proudly presented by Crest Insurance Group, where we learn from and celebrate the local leaders, businesses, and nonprofit organizations who have stood the test of Tucson time. I'm your host, Matt Nelson of Crest Insurance, and I'm joined here virtually at Tucson Business Radio X Studios today by John Smalley, CEO and president, CEO, president and co-founder, Grand Puba of All Things Pest Management for past friends, uh, a Tucson business here that's really doing some exciting things in um, really, I think, a field that a lot of people don't fully understand. So I'm, I'm really excited for this conversation. And we're going to talk about a culture of entrepreneurship and how that culture is both uh, leveraged, preserved and transitioned through the phases of a business um, and, and also how that relates to the overall workplace culture. So Thank you so much, John, for joining us. It's truly a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, you know, as a bit of a, as a bit of, a, of an aside, I'm now a, a personal client of Pest Friends. I was very impressed uh, by your operation, and so uh, so I'm excited to, to to learn more about your business, both as uh, as as uh, as as the podcast goes, but also as a customer. So, yeah. John, welcome aboard.
1: Thanks and thanks for the opportunity to talk, Matt. I, I I love what you're doing here. I love celebrating business. I love championing business. I love championing people who celebrate business. So uh, excited to be you know just part of the the call today and uh, share my ideas and um, also you know I know you're an employee of Crest and Crest sponsors this, but um, I moved to Tucson roughly 13 years ago and came in contact with Crest on the personal side and now have all my business uh, insurance with them as well. And I I just can't be more impressed by The way the organization runs from the top down, you meet people at Crest and yourself included, and it's easy to like you guys. And then when you work with them on the personal side, you don't have to come in contact with them nearly as much as you do on the business side. But your organization always feels like they're taking care of me on on any angle needed. And uh, um, they're also just extremely easy to work with. So I just wanted to maybe give a shout out to you as we as we jump into this.
0: Thank you, John. I appreciate it. And uh, I'll tell you what, as, a, as as much as you're a serial entrepreneur, you know, if, if there's ever an opening in our marketing department, we may have to find a way to put you in the
1: program. So, well, I got a consulting company. Can, <laughs> might not like the bill rate, but you know. Yeah, you
0: know. there you go. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, um, first and foremost, I mean, we're thrilled to have you as a customer. I mean, I think you really hit on what we've tried to focus on. And Crest is a young company, you know, so since we're talking about entrepreneurship, I mean, I guess I should say we're, we're a young company as Crest, you know, we celebrated our 10th anniversary here. But, mm. um, you know, when, when you look at the the company through its various iterations over the years, um, it's definitely got deeper roots going all the way back to uh, all the way back to the, to the 80s. But, um, you know, I think one of the things you hit on, which is this idea of how do you preserve this culture of innovation and the feeling of a startup, right? Because what's the idea behind a startup is you have to be just acutely sensitive to, aware of, and responsive to the needs of your customer, right? Because you have yeah. to differentiate. I mean, that's, that is that is that is the mission of a startup is we found a problem, we're gonna differentiate and we're gonna outserve all of our competition as a means of amassing a customer base. And then as you grow, you know, a business has to go through these seasons, right? Where all of a sudden, you know, now it's like, all right, we're starting to standardize, we're starting to build processes, because what we're looking for is for our customers to have a consistent experience. We got to do that without losing what helped us win at the outset. So, you know, one of the things that I think might help us set the table for this, because we, you know, I mentioned it, you as a serial entrepreneur, maybe you can bring us back to, where it began. So so tell us a little bit about John, kind of, you know, what made you decide to, to foray into entrepreneurship? Was it something that you knew from the time you were in high school? Hey, I don't want to work for somebody. I want to run my own show. Or was it something that evolved over time?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a certain sectionist about that title or that life that doesn't really exist. Let me just kind of start that out there, right? So it's really easy to, to yeah, commit to wanting to do that. A lot of people also commit to wanting to be a doctor or a brain surgeon or an astronaut, and it just doesn't happen, you know, um, because going through the process is not nearly as sexy as as it sounds. So, um, you know, I, I'm not sure when I committed to it. I can look back at my work behaviors, and I knew that there was always this, a hustle, and there was always a hustle to to get what I thought could be mine, but also then to outperform anybody else that was maybe in that arena with me. Um, and quite honestly, you know, I grew up in corporate America. I I, I graduated college. I would, took my first job in retail. My second job in, in healthcare, and worked for a multi-billion-dollar healthcare company where I made my way, you know, largely to the top um, of the company. And as I went through that process, um, and it's a process that i probably recommend for a lot of you know potential entrepreneurs to to go through. Man, I made a lot of mistakes there, Matt. That, that I never had to make on my own, or that I won't make on my own, you know, and I got a lot of development, a lot of coaching, and a lot of just absolutely amazing opportunities. Um, and you couple that with what I consider to be, you know, a, an A plus work ethic that, that I bring to the table each day, um, as well as a decent brain, and I moved my way to the top of that company. Um, and as you do that, that that first time where you got to make eighty thousand and you make it and your life changes. all of a sudden immediately you want to make one hundred and twenty thousand. and then you make that and you want to make three hundred thousand. And you, you never really become satisfied, right? And so there's that gaping hole there. And one of the things you start to realize at different thresholds for different people, but usually financial thresholds, is that the the satisfaction, uh, working for a company is not always about the simple paycheck that you get you know it's it's what's left like what how much can i actually control how much can i actually um you know take to the grave with me do i own the asset can i make the changes that i want to make you know and i got to a spot with a uh, a large like i said healthcare, organ- healthcare organization that was an a plus employer i mean these guys put so much time and energy and resources and monies into me Um, And, you know, they were great. I loved it. But at some point, it wasn't my company. You know, there's that sense of uh, being able to possibly actually not possibly like likely retire the way that I wanted to retire at the age I wanted to retire. And I, I can't tell you what it is. But I think other entrepreneurs have this feeling. Like one of the scariest thoughts in my mind ever was potentially being on my deathbed and just asking myself or feeling to myself like, why didn't you bet on yourself? You know, if you've been successful in all these other areas, and you've made a lot of other people, a lot of money. Like at what point were you not confident enough to bet on yourself? And you know what, quite honestly, man, I did that for the first time while I was still working for that organization. You know, I created a consulting company. Um, I started to see what other people thought about just potentially interacting with me, started to gauge what they would pay me, was, was almost blown away by it. Um, and then after the consulting company, I also created uh, a wellness company um, with uh some guys that i was friends with the one thing a consulting company taught me is that uh although i wanted to go into entrepreneurship i wasn't really interested in doing things by myself going forward i wanted to go through it with people that were like-minded that i trusted that were my friends that i could celebrate with that i could work through challenges with etc so you know to answer your question when did you decide i don't know i think i've i decided but didn't act on it probably you know 100 times before i actually decided but the first company was uh, a company called j smalley group which is a consulting company um, and the second company was Tucson Wellness, uh, which is a prominent uh, wellness company here in town. It's doing really well. Um, and then, as I continued to get opportunity after opportunity, and quite frankly, you know, was able to save some money um, from from the healthcare company. I decided um, that when the stars aligned, and they did, um, you know, that it was going to be my my chance to leave. And and then the other thing that uh, maybe is different for me um, cause I didn't do it out of necessity. I did it out of, out of passion and want is that there was a moment where I came home one day and when I was running, um, the, the healthcare company, um, I was vice president of, a vice president of operations and, um, you know, I'd be gone for, you know, every week I was in multiple cities and planes and whatever else. And sometimes depending on what the weekends look like, I'd be gone for you know, seven, 10 days. And, um, I have, uh, I have two little boys. I have a, they're five now and two and a half, almost three. And I'd come home and my two and a half year old had just been born. Um, so my five-year-old was probably two, two and a half and walked through the garage and was just talking to him. And I saw this look in his eyes where it was, it was, it was almost devastating, but he was like processing who I was, you know? And because I'd been gone, I just kept coming and going, coming and going, you know? Um, and I, I just, at that moment in time kind of knew that I had to come back home, you know. And so when you couple that up with the concept of I need to be here, I want to raise these boys, I want to be an amazing dad, I want to make their life you know, as good as possible, plus the financial freedom, plus, quite honestly, having a badass wife that that does really well in business as well. Um, The opportunity to really commit to Tucson specifically in Arizona as a whole and get away a little bit from the national stage where I had to be gone all the time. Uh, for the first time in my life, felt like it was a necessity more than just a, de- a desire or a want. So, long answer to a short question, but um, hopefully that that answers your question.
0: Yeah, good answer. Well, and since so since Pest Friends is, you know, really the the most recent virtue, and 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 actually it provides an interesting jump off point because the first two companies that you founded. Make a lot of sense, right? Uh, to the to the casual observer, you know, you're you're prominent in the healthcare space, and yep. um, you've amassed this knowledge. And so, to jump out into a consulting role, um, whether it's business processes or healthcare specific, either way, they they both seem like a fairly natural flow. Um, similarly, a wellness company, you know, if you've got experience in the healthcare space, and I think uh, knowledge of how underserved in a lot of ways wellness is as an initiative although you know wellness can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people that makes a lot of sense so tell me how you arrived at pest at pest control though because that seems like quite the leap and it's also um not something that, uh, that you would commonly think of as like a passion project, right? Like if I was to go out and jump and start a mountain biking company, people would say, okay, that's a little different than what Matt does, but, but we get it. He found an opportunity and and ran at it. So, so yeah. walk us through that.
2: Well, I, let me, let me start off by saying I wasn't looking for an opportunity in pest control, but I did have criteria, um, that I look for, for, for any company, you know, and at this point in time, and we talk about serial entrepreneurship, people I get a question a lot, like, how do you run that many companies? I don't, you know, when you commit to a company in serial entrepreneurship, you're committed to that company until you can hand it over to somebody better than you. Right. So, um, and I I was in that space where I was willing and ready to commit to a few things. And there was also part of me before I tell you what I was looking for, um, that always wondered, you know, like, are my skills transferable? Am I just good at the staffing game? Am I just good at systems and process? Am I just good at operations? Am I just, you know, I've been fortunate to, to to lead a lot of really great people and develop a lot of really great people um, or can I can I do that anywhere I go? and I do honestly believe that when you look at the makeup the DNA of really good companies Matt, I think they're they're ninety five percent the same you know I think that um, those those common core characteristics that drive those companies um, are largely the same and that's why you see successful people and successful entrepreneurs or CEOs or whoever you want to monitor they a lot of times they all read. A lot of times they all work out in the morning. You know, there's there's certain things that they they all do, um, and I think that same thing can be said about the business as a whole with the the DNA. So that being said, the things that I was looking for were a few things. I was looking for um, an industry that was recession proof. I just think that's important. Um, that was that was something that you know you, you, those you, that will allow you to slightly control what you can't control. You know, and industries that are recession proof typically do really well. In good times and then typically also, you know, still do pretty well in bad times. Um, I was looking for something with recurring revenue. I think that that is a big part of any plan. If you're constantly just doing a deal and then that deal is over and you gotta go kill something else to eat that night, um, that can be really stressful and, and slightly unproductive as well. And that's actually one of the things that led me uh into the wellness industry after the consulting industry, because I just didn't like doing deal by deal by deal. You know, at that point you're only as good as the amount of hours that you can have within within a week. So I was looking for those two things. I was looking for um, recurring revenues and I was, and I was looking uh, for something recession-proof. Now, here's the kicker, is if you can find one of those things in an industry that has not innovated, right, but would be rewarded if it innovated, then you have the opportunity to come in and really gain massive market share, I believe, at a fairly quick rate compared to maybe some other industries. You know, in the example I'll give you, Matt, um, is, you know, you probably, well, actually I know you don't, but let's say before me, right. So you probably purchased pest control the same way that your mother purchased pest control. the same, And she probably purchased it the same way that her father purchased pest control, which is just pay somebody to come out there and spray. You know, the pay for spray concept is, is quite actually disgusting in a lot of ways. If you think about it, because you're just paying for somebody to put chemicals that you really don't want around you or your kids or your family or your house, you know, around your house. Right. And so, um, I looked at that and I just thought to myself, that's outdated. And I'll get back to that in a second. Um, but if you think about that compared to your cell phone, you know, it, the the iOS you have on your cell phone right now, it's probably not more than three to five months old, you know? And if it's at that three to five month mark, uh, Matt, you're probably going to upgrade it <laughs> the next time you plug in your phone and the Wi-Fi is on, you know? Um, and, and, and you do that and those companies create those innovations, those updates, because it's necessary to survive um, in that field, right? that if somebody offered you free internet, but it had to be AOL dial-up, you wouldn't take it. You just wouldn't, right? You'd probably just, just now you'd use whatever data plan you have on your phone. So I say that because a lot of these industries self-police themselves, but pest control had not done that. Pest control to me had made very few innovations, um, and I felt like the market, with regards to the way the world is heading, where people expect things to be right here, right now. People expect things to be proactive, not reactive. People expect things to be based off of data, right? People expect to have technology um, that keeps them safe. Um, those all, all none of those things existed, and so I was looking for an industry that had that. So that was the third component. The fourth component is I'm just committed to not doing anything with with that with people that I don't trust and I don't like. And I had an opportunity um, to create this company with Scott Nolan. And so if you're a Tucson person, you know Scott Nolan. You know the company that you know, it really helps get to an incredible status. Um, truly Nolan, and they're a good company. I mean, you know, we got nothing wrong with them. Um, But to have the opportunity to partner with a legend um, at that level within the industry that everybody across the world knows, you know, that everybody across the industry knows, um, that's a once in a lifetime thing. So I had the opportunities to test out through my skills transfer. Okay, then I had the opportunity to get into a a a good industry as a whole, you know, specifically um, from a, a security standpoint. Then I had the opportunity to get into an industry that lacked innovation, but I believe will reward people for innovation. Then I had the opportunity to partner with a legend in the industry on day one, you know? And when you when you add those, all those things up, it just makes too much sense to not give it a shot. And I'm super happy that we did because, quite frankly, we've been booming, you know, um, from the beginning almost is what it feels like. Um, expertise.com just put out an article yesterday that we had no idea was coming out, um, but they reviewed 150 pest control companies in Arizona um, and then rated their top 22 and we were tied for the, for the number one score with three other pest control companies that have been around for 50 years. know. Yeah, so um, it's working and I think that as we continue to grow and expand and more people find out about us, um, it will continue to, to grow and expand. So I heard
0: two kind of recurring themes there. Um, You know, one was, as you were talking about, you know, reoccurring revenue and, uh, you know, kind of a customer first focus and that sort of thing. Uh, In my mind, I think relationships, right? Um, Which is a weird word in a lot of ways to, you wouldn't naturally correlate that word to, again, like you said, pest control, right? I mean, the manner by which people have purchased pest control year over year is, well, I'll, I'll use my experience, you know, it was like this is the person that was in our neighborhood. You know, they, they were competitive. They yeah. seemed to indicate basically exactly the same stuff that everybody else that was in our neighborhood did. And it was like, okay, cool. Like we'll, we'll run with this. And, you know, really the only thing that um, I, I guess in a lot of ways, what that means is I was an extremely uninformed consumer sure. um, about a product that I just didn't really, I'd never really understood what it should look like. So on one hand, there's the relationship component, right, which you were, you know, deals with your persistency of revenue and things like that. Um, But the other thing is, I'm curious, from your perspective, and maybe this is a differentiation question, what does smart pest control look like? Because you told me what it doesn't look like, which is, you know, spray, uh, we'll call it spray and pray, right? Um, But what does, what does smart pest control look like? What is how is that differentiated?
2: Well, we call it modern pest control, you know, but let's start off with the relationship piece you just picked up there. You know, I mean, if, if, if part of it has to do with having a relationship and the relationship is always with the customer. Sometimes it's with the street. Sometimes it's with the neighborhood. Sometimes it's just being engaged and being involved. People want to hire experts. People want to know that you know what my neighbor needs and you know what my street needs and you know what my neighborhood needs. And therefore, when my problem comes to you, you're going to be available and you're going to be able to help me out. Right. And you're going to be able to do that because you've got perspective. So. There, there is a relationship piece there and then what you also have to do is you have to create that sense of ownership you know that sense of and for, for for the technician position you know these are guys that spend 50 hours a week out in the sun summer sun in arizona you know that that's a that can be a beat down you know and and they they genuinely love their job they genuinely love making their customers feel better but at some point it's just not worth it for them because they make their 13 bucks an hour 14 bucks an hour and then go home you know and there is no sense of ownership there um, and I would say that new pest control is going to be in line with a lot of other industries that we have to really position ourselves. And we're committed to pis- uh, positioning ourselves to be the employer of choice. You know, and the employer of choice is a place where you treat employees so well, wh- whether that's you know the way you just talk to them and treat them as a human being, or whether that's the way the opportunity that you give them going forward. That people are knocking on your door to come to your company, and and that's just not the case right now. We know that, right? Employment in general. Um, so then you got to ask yourself, what does that look like? So if I want my cusp, if I want my technicians, first of all, nobody will ever care about your business the way that you do. And you've got to accept that. You, you know, it's 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 just not as personal to them. So then you ask yourself, OK, Matt, what do I do? What do I do to get somebody to care about it significantly more than they normally would? And there is opportunity to add ownership opportunities for these employees and, and to create some type of advantage or incentive for them to treat the business closer to the way that you would treat them than maybe that disgruntled employee I mentioned earlier. So, you know, for us specifically, and I won't talk to everybody else, but we do have a work to own option. We've got an option where, hey, you come in, you learn our systems, you learn our processes, and you start to show that you're an amazing teammate. You start to care, show that you care about growing the business the way that, that I care about growing the business, the way that our clients ask us to grow the business you take care of them, you listen to them, you treat them the right way, you, you you do things ethically. You do all these things that owners do, but sometimes lose as they grow and expand. Um, and if you do that, Matt, guess what? At the end of the day, there's an opportunity for you to continue to not just move up in the company, but actually have some type of equity within the organization or within the territory that you've developed for the company. You know, So I think that's modern pest control, but realistically, you can take that model and, and apply it to any industry, and I think that's modern. So we drive a few other things. Um, I talked to you about the relationship piece. You know, we don't we don't service everybody in Tucson. We just don't. And, and maybe one day we will. Maybe one day we won't. Um, but we service very specific areas. And when we're not servicing those areas, we're working on community involvement in those areas. You know, so we started off in the foothills. That's where I live. That's where the company's based. That's where Scott lives. We know a lot about it. It's also the most you know severe issues that we have in pest control um and we just committed we said look we're going to spend all of our time um in this area until we have no time left and then we're just going to continue to reinvest and and repeat that process but we support little leagues you know we support track ranch we, we we do a lot of community involvement that is the right thing to do as a company you should give back to the, to the communities that they give to you um, but simultaneously make your employees feel great you know and when, when they start to see the the upside of doing those things you're essentially putting them through small business training. You're putting them into entrepreneur training, where they start to understand that one day, when I oversee or run or have part of Green Valley Pest Friends or have, uh, you know, Marana Pest Friends or Royal Valley Pest Friends, like these are things that I'm going to ask out of my employees, and these are things that we're going to do as a company as well. So you can embody that ownership spirit, that entrepreneurial spirit, by creating future opportunities for your employees to actually take that 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 position on the mantle, right? So then the third thing is. And I'm a nerd here, but I I like this stuff. Is the things that we can do with uh, with technology, you know, specifically uh, traps, um, but also data aggregation. There's just not a lot happening right now. You know, it's trap kill, trap kill, trap kill, or spray kill, spray kill. And I just believe that pest control right now is so reactive. You you even called me when when you had a problem you couldn't get rid of, you know, but, and. Um, that happens. That's that's the way it happens all the time. What if you could create a version of pest control through through technology and through data aggregation that would allow you to predict and prevent, you know, to say, hey, hey, Matt, look, you don't have termites right now, but you're going to have them within the next two months because termites are moving two houses east on your street right now and you're four houses away, you know, so uh, to, to actually use data and science, which all the other consumers and all the other industries actually require, you know, and so we're trying to be the first to market with that um there's also this concept of ipm which is integrated pest management that a lot of the what i think you know old school players or bigger players push back on because it's going to drastically change the way they treat your house you know and but the, the concept there is do no harm if you have a cockroach problem i should be treating you for cockroaches i shouldn't be treating your house for 10 other things and 10 other chemicals that, that don't make sense for you so we've created a process called seed. Which basically says that every size, uh, every every size is not a fit all, right? And in, in that scenario, what I mean is, you've got companies out there that say we're going to spray your house mat with nothing but organic, you know, and it's like, okay, well that's cool for seventy five percent of the things that it'll fix, but it's not cool for the other twenty five percent of the things that make you and your wife and your kids uncomfortable in your own home, right? Then there's the other concept of. Sure, i'll come out there and i'll lay these things down and you'll never see another problem again that's also not cool because that's getting into the drinking water and, and creating a lot of other things you're killing everything in sight when you when you don't need to you know um and the environment is is actually one of the best pest control agents out there if you allow it to act for you you know so our lone c approach comes in and we do a true diagnosis of your home we can do this with no chemical we can do this with environmentally sound uh products right and and on these things matt you know what we need traditional pest control right um, but ultimately the goal and the impact and i think what we're doing i think i know that we're doing this is we're creating the most positive impact on your home on your family and your environment you know um, all at the same time and so you factor that up with the relationship piece that we get from the density aspect of it and then you bring in the technology and the data aggregation i don't really believe that any three of those exist in any one pest control company right now. If we're successful with with implementing all three of those, um, we're going to be able to create a proactive uh, pest control that, based off of science and based off of data, allows us to predict and prevent a lot of the issues that we have right now with significantly less chemical.
0: So, one of the things I love that you started off with was, and I think that, uh, like you said, you know, entrepreneurship is one of those things that it it feels good to say entrepreneur, right? Yeah. Um, the challenge. That seems to be, and, and and I say this as somebody who I had it in my head that I was like I got out of the art, you know, got got back to Arizona from my my time stationed back on the East Coast, and I had this entrepreneurial venture in my mind, right? And so decided I was going to make this giant splash, and you know, as as happens with a number of entrepreneurial ventures, you know, there there was a portion where I got a little over my skis, and it uh, materialized in in the form of just the business not being sustainable, right? And so you spent. Uh, a lot of time working your way up through an established company, and yeah. so it seems like that gave you a perspective such that you could avoid a lot of the pitfalls that that a lot of entrepreneurs stumble across. So, I mean, aside from the things that you know, probably people talk about ad nauseum, right? Like, like does somebody have a a business education? Do you have some understanding as to how to do customer, you know, customer relationship management, that sort of thing? What do you look at as some of the biggest obstacles to transitioning from that entrepreneurial mindset? You know, where it's, hey, look, we are going to bend to fit the customer, we're going to aggressively differentiate, um, and our culture is going to be built about that idea of pivoting fast and and adapting to the market to consistency of experience, which allows you to scale an organization and and grow in headcount things like that. So, what what do you what do you view as the big maybe non-obvious stumbling blocks that you learned along the way.
1: Well, I would just say, even in that kind of last example you gave me too often, I think it's, it's the question is, which one do we do? It's one or the other. And, you know, I'm a big believer in kind of challenging the status quo. It's, it's what I'm living for right now with pest control. And maybe it's the fact that I'm the third of three or, you know, whatever, but I always just going to have the concept of like, why can't we just do both? You know like why why not start with the end of mind and start to build out a process that allows you to keep one but not and, and develop the other as opposed to keep one and lose the other you know and and i think you have to think about that And sometimes that's your structure sometimes that's your systems and your processes sometimes that's the incentives in the way that you you reward top top producers um you know entrepreneurialism is not for the faint of heart let's be honest about that as you went through that process and and you know i should have started off by saying i appreciate your service um you know that that's that's something that not a lot of people can do and and you, you obviously did it i appreciate that but as you as you went through that process if you're honest with the viewers right now matt you probably had some of the the worst sleeps of your life throughout that process you know um and i can tell you that i've had that numerous times and and i'm not sure (laughs) <laughs> I tell you, I'll never do it again. But I, I'm not positive I won't. You know, when this thing takes off, and and we've got amazing people changing their lives like that, you, you gotta you gotta remember the end feeling. You gotta remember the the guy who buys a house he never thought he could buy, the guy who gets married because he can afford a an engagement ring finally for his wife. You know, those things seem to kind of make you forget some of these struggles that you have up front. So as you continue to grow, the you should have one or two or three principles that that just never change, you know? And, and 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 those are really your core values, you know? And so like our number one core value is treat people like family. And that's an internal and an external thing. That's that's for clients as well as teammates, you know? And I think that quite honestly, if we keep that in mind as we continue to grow and scale and we say, hey, look, as we build this thing out to its first 100 employees, and, and that's still a core principle and we hold ourselves accountable to that, we're gonna be okay because that'll guide us through making decisions that start to look at you as employee number 101 versus Matt, you know? Um, And I do believe that it's, it's all about taking care of your employees. I think if you take care of your employees and you create that culture, they're going to want to be there and they're going to transcend that onto the, onto the customers. And you're not going to win everything. I mean, you you might as well get used to it. You know, there's always somebody out there who, who wants to hate on you just because they want to hate on you, you know? And the key is to show up every single day, to work hard every single day, to have a, a commitment to a good product um, and then to go you know work your butt off to deliver that um, on a regular basis so i wouldn't tell you that the path i've taken is the exact same in any company because it's not it always goes different but what i do know is that if you show up every day and you put in a lot of hard work and you surround yourself with people who are like-minded um, and bought into the cause it works out actually more times than not
0: i agree i agree well, you know, uh, since we're at the bottom of the hour, just want to take a quick break. For those of you who are just joining us, this is Culture at Work in Tucson, proudly presented by Crest Insurance. As the largest locally owned and operated insurance brokerage in Southern Arizona and one of the top 100 insurance agencies in the United States, Crest is your hometown broker to assist with commercial insurance, workers' compensation, and employee health insurance plans. I'm your host, Matt Nelson, and now back to our conversation with John Smalley, President and CEO of Pest Friends. So, John... Um, stepping back from the company for a second. And this is something uh, I am not a confession time. I am not a Tucson native, right? Mm -hmm. I moved down here. I went to school at a small state university, about 90 some miles north of here uh, before I came down here for for grad school. And uh, Tucson really grew on me. Um, But I'm curious, you know, what's your story with respect to Tucson? Why Tucson? Especially with, like you said, you know, you were climbing the corporate ladder and one of the things that climbing the corporate ladder does usually afford is the opportunity to choose where you want your next adventure to go. So, so
1: what keeps you here? Uh, Well, that's a good, great question. You know, I, I moved here 14, 15 years ago and, um, you know, at that point in time, uh, I was, I was really just committed, uh, Matt, to like, (laughs) to making money. You know, I wasn't crazy passionate about what I was doing. I was just committed to bettering my financial situation. And, um, you know, I, I had a uh, a conversation with this company and I just said, hey, look, like, I don't want to wait on the timeline that you guys have for me. So, you know, why don't you just give me your worst territory and your worst areas and I'll go do things that other people don't want to do. And I'm not married. I'm not, I don't have kids. Like, I'll go wherever you need me to go. And so, Um, The company took me out of St. Louis, which is where I'm originally from. Um, I went to school in Missouri um, and uh, gave me an opportunity in Omaha, Nebraska. And uh, quite honestly, man, it was a quick fix. You know, I went in there and I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to Omaha, but just really great, God-fearing, good people. You know, I could tell you stories about Omaha all day long, but what they were just missing is, is a few systems and processes and a little bit of a vision, you know, and we were able to turn that around super quick. So, of course, you know, me at that point in time, feeling really good about myself, I said, hey, same thing, you know, just get me out of Omaha. You know, I I was I was I wasn't crazy happy at Omaha being a 23, 24, 25, whatever I was at that point in time, you know, finally making a little bit of money um, in Omaha, Nebraska really wasn't that ideal for me. So. Um, I said, same thing, like I'll go anywhere, but it has to be warm. And, and quite honestly, man, I was trying to go to to Florida, you know, you grew up in the Midwest and that's where people think you, uh, you go to die. So, um, you know, I was, I wanted to go to Florida and they were like, Hey, Arizona. I was like, okay. So came here, um, this, the operation I took over at that point in time was the worst producing operation in the company. We were able to turn it around, um. time it wasn't a matter of months it was a matter of two years to the number one operation in the entire company Um, and i took a massive beat down personally as i went through that process but man i learned a lot a lot of things about um, sticking to your plan and having a plan and you know having grit and everything else Um, and as i went through that process um, the company started to respect my talents a lot more right so that process did offer me the opportunity to take on a regional role and then uh, a a, a vice president role and then another vice president role. So opportunity started to um, get to the spot where they're actually asking me to move because as you do know from Tucson, there's not a lot of corporations that really want their leaders based out of Tucson um, for largely logistical reasons. It's expensive to get me to wherever they wanted to get me that week or wherever I needed to go that week. But what I didn't tell you, is that throughout that process of being here, I met my wife, um, we ended up getting married, we built a house, we had kids. And I do remember my first week in in Tucson, stepping outside the hotel they had me living in and looking at the mountains and seeing a couple, you know, planted palm trees and feeling like I was on in vacation, you know, on a vacation. And as I got to know the people here, I got to know the culture here, the weather here, I just fell in love with it. You know and i i gotta tell you i love the entire state I, I love what tucson offers i love what phoenix offers i love what sedona offers uh, you know you know and um i'm a i'm a religious person i was just a, you know a spiritual person i believe this is where i'm supposed to be you know this this state has so many good things going for it i work with the governor's office on stuff i work with the city on stuff uh and, and i love it and my commitment uh, i mean first and foremost is to the state of arizona and then to the city of tucson um, to do whatever I can do to improve life for the people that live here. And that could be through better pest control, right? More uh, responsible pest control, modern pest control, but that can also be by simply employing a lot of people, you know, and giving them the opportunity to make wages and live lives. They never thought they could live. Um, and so, uh, for me, I'm here. This, this, there's no doubt in my mind. I, I can live wherever I want to live. Um, I, I love this town. I love this state.
0: I agree with you. It's, um, Tucson is an incredibly unsung city. Um, I think you know it's it's starting to creep up on more people's radar, which you know, depending on your position on that issue. But um, you know, yeah. it's 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 a place that um, it's incredible what it has in terms of people and quality of life. I mean, it's it's really really tough to beat in a, in a lot of in a lot of ways. So one of the things or actually something that was a theme through what you were talking about, which was you know this. Um, Kind of, uh, shall we say, a native ability or, or a natural ability as a turnaround artist, right? Which mm-hmm. um, you know, that's that's a skill. There are people who have made entire careers within large organizations like the one you were describing um, in in doing turnaround work. And I'm curious because you you mentioned, you know, this this wasn't a small company. There were systems, there were processes, um, and yet you were able to come into areas that were struggling and and people that were struggling and find a way to separate the wheat from the chaff and, and turn things around. What do you attribute that to? Are there any common themes that you've come across? Because it seems like there's a very real tendency, I guess, to kind of make assumptions about, you know, a territory or a team or something like that and say, hey, look, there's just no way. This is just isn't going to work. This territory can't possibly be successful. This team can't possibly be successful. And then somebody comes in and 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 does it, right? So what do you attribute that to?
1: Well, I'd, I'd say the person at the top has to be um, slightly egotistical, you know, and you got to believe in yourself more than other people do. So when I people tell me, I like, no, you can't do that. I'm like, no, you can't do that. Like, I can do it you know and 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 that's my natural response to whatever it is just so you know like you know um, and then there's this internal piece of me that just is therefore committed to proving you wrong so there's got to be a little bit of that moxie within the person who's doing it because you're going to take some kicks in the pants and it's uh <laughs> it's it's that attitude that carries you through it now that being said I i believe in people you know and and i just I I can't get myself to believe that, you know what, Matt? Today you're going to show up and you want to be the worst employee at the job. I just I can't I can't think that you that the team shows up and they want to be the worst office in the company. You know that they're proud of that. You know what? Yeah, I'm going to get there today and I'm going to do nothing. Right? What you're missing is a lack of leadership. You're missing a lack of vision and a lack of leadership. A lack of vision. Couple in systems and processes with those things that'll turn great people into bad employees, you know, Um, but really at the, at the top of that food chain, you either got somebody that can get it done or you don't. And what I, what I thrived off of was the fact that, even though I might have to fire one or two people, I felt like I was saving you know, 10 to 12 people and I was able to go in there and you can see, you can see when you get in there and you got the right energy and you can start to show that you care about things and you can start to show that there is a better path and that it is doable here. And Matt, if you want to, you can be part of that solution, but you gotta want to and you gotta show up tomorrow. I'm willing to forgive all sins in the past, but tomorrow is the best Matt. Tomorrow's the Matt that took the job in the first place, right? And guess what, Betty, same goes for you. Right. We're all showing up again tomorrow. Anybody who can't, there's the door, you know, and I actually um, got really good, honestly, throughout that process. I was just talking about the other day of firing people, you know, I tell people, hey, look, if you're not in it, if you can't get back to that spot or you were never at that spot, I'm not going to make you homeless tomorrow. Right. I, I'm, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go with a certain level of respect. You can go get another job while, you know, while you're still working here, but you got to go, you know, and it was clear that you're either on the bus or you're not on the bus, you know, and it was crazy how when you when you're on a team and you join a team and they're winning, it feels good, but you don't really that's all you know is winning, you know the and um what's what's the better feeling is when you're on a team that's not winning and you're part of that initial foundation it starts to turn the tide, you know, and then you because you you remember those those tough days and you wear them like merit badges. and then you talk about them like you walked uphill both ways in snow, you know, kind of concept. And so, Um, like that, that made it for me, you know? So ultimately it was a question of if, if, if we're in this market, there's the ability to do business, you know, um, if we want to do business, but you got to have good leadership. You got to have a good vision. Um, you got to hire really great people. And then you got to be somewhat passionate about what you're doing. um, because it's hard to show up to work every single day. It is no matter what you do, even if you own your own business, by the way, uh, entrepreneurs don't wake up crazy excited to go to work every day. You know, like it's there's just there's days where that happens, but there's also days where it doesn't, you know, and I say that because I I think that's what it is. That's that's what drove me to consistently go after that position is knowing that there was a lot of good people that deserve to have that feeling, that deserve to have that job, that ultimately my organization at that point in time promised them when they hired on. You know, and so uh, I don't know if that answers your question, but like that was the process of going through that. Um and, uh, you know, like I said, for the for the most part, I believe that if your product is good, it can be sold almost anywhere.
0: You know, one of the things that um, you seem to hit on, and it's, uh, it's a, uh, I believe it's Patrick Lencioni, but it's that whole idea of, you know, right person in the right seat, and then yeah. you figure out who wants to be on the bus and who doesn't. So when you were in the midst of your turnarounds, you know, like you said, there's, there's a, you know, like there's the decision of, are you on the team or off the team, Right. And then there's the decision. And, 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 you know, as somebody who um, I I played a little bit of football, I wasn't really all that good at it, but I had fun and and I appreciate the game. You know, this idea of, all right, look, like you think you're going to be a wide receiver, you actually need to be on defense. Right. And so when you're doing a turnaround, you know, there are people who have wound up, they're good people, they have talent. They just happen to be, their skills are being aligned in the wrong, their, their skills are being pointed in the wrong direction. So how do you have that discussion with somebody who, I mean, maybe that's a demotion, maybe that's, you know, them reimagining it? I mean, how did you, when you were coming in and turning these operations around, these segments around, what did you lean on to, to help have that conversation?
1: In that scenario right there, you know, what, what I think your approach is is you really focus on the concept of team first, you know, and that this thing is bigger than just you individually. And that when the team wins, you're gonna win. It, it's you know, when, they, when the entire team is winning, Matt, if if all of Crest is crushing it, you're going to do fairly well, right? Because Crest is crushing it. Now, that being said, if you figured out a way to do extremely well, but you had to isolate yourself and the rest of Crest is, is failing, then eventually you're out of a job because Crest failed and you're not strong enough to carry the company. And quite honestly, the approach that you took at that point in time was probably detrimental to everybody besides yourself. And I, And I believe that in a large part, People are willing, especially short term, to do what's best for the team if they see a long term opportunity for themselves, you know, um, and and as long as you're committed to having a plan for people to talking to people openly and saying, look, this is what we need. We don't have anybody else that can do this right now, um, but we'll be looking for this person. And as you go through the process, Matt, have an open mind. Maybe you'll fall in love with it. Maybe we'll start to develop a skill set that you didn't know you had. Right. But ultimately, the other 10 people who are still here with you, they need you to be this person right now you know and then you know you can't want it more than they want it so they they've, they've got to be on board and if they're not that's where those short term headaches pop up where you got to let them go you know because yep. even if they they fill a role um but they're they're a negative cancer on the team you, you got to get them out um there's no space for those people so you know ultimately i think you start with team first and you explain the fact that when the team wins you win um and when the team wins long term you win long term and Ultimately, we, ultimately, as you go through that process, and you're more and more of a part of that team winning, we can start to absolutely define a career or a job that that fits what you want to do, assuming that you're talented enough um, to do it. Makes sense. Um,
0: you know, one of the things you talked about a little bit earlier, and it really fits in with, you mentioned grit, right? So, um, you know, in in any sort of a trade, a manual trade, right? I Like when I was in high school I was working in concrete concrete's hard work especially in the summer in Arizona right um, but you learn a lot about grit right because I mean that's one of the things that hard work teaches you and and so one of the recurrent challenges that I hear um, especially in industries where the work is hard uh, and as you just as you said you know in the summer in Arizona um, pest control is not as simple as walking around a backyard you know waving a wand like there's it's hot it's uncomfortable. Uh, you guys candidly are the first pest control company where one of your guys came in and said, "Hey, do you have a ladder I want to get up on the roof?" right? That is not <laughs> that is not something that, you know, you you typically see people kind of signing up for in, uh, you know, in Arizona when it hits 97 degrees. So, what do you look for in a team member when you're interviewing somebody that gives you some insight into is this person going to have that kind of grit? Is this a person I want to have on the team?
2: Yeah, well, let me first state that every one of our trucks should have a ladder on it. So <laughs> I'm not, I, I, I was I was um, ad living the ladder party. I'm sure you were. Said, yeah, yeah, was, all right. But well, yeah, <laughs> my follow up here. But um, uh, no, um, I, I mean, you know, I, I, at this stage in the game and I do think it's different. You know, that was probably part of your question you asked earlier, like how things change, you know. I, I make it really clear about where we're at, what we're focused on and what we're trying to do. And I also make it clear that, you know, at this stage of the game, if you're employee number seven or number eight, you're naturally going to have more opportunity and upside than employee number 70 or 78. Right. And I also make it part of the conversation that you should understand that a lot of the things you've experienced, if you worked for a company with 200 other techs or 20 other texts, you know, that's not going to be the case here. You know, we have some gaps, we have some holes. But these those other things that you experienced as you went through that process with those other bigger companies, they they were no longer interested in your feedback. Whereas here we're going to require it. You know, you've got to be part of growing this thing. You've got to be part of who we become. You know, and the expectation is that that includes not just your work, but your thoughts and your ideas, and and ultimately a higher level of commitment. And I believe that when you offer people that opportunity, the right candidate that's been shut down. You know, I just had an employee tell me the other day, it's hard for me to communicate these ideas, because although I've had these thoughts, I've never been able to communicate them, you know, uh, openly without, without some sense of like retribution. Um, and to me, I think there's a lot of employees out there that feel that way. Um, and if you offer them the opportunity to have the opposite side, you know, uh, that, that cool side of the pillow, um, they're, they're willing to take it, you know? So, um, ultimately, as far as evaluating good people, I hate to tell you this, but something, about it is also just your gut <laughs> you know you, you know or you don't know and if you got a bad gut when it comes to judging good people it's gonna be really hard for you to be an entrepreneur um, because selecting great people it's not just important to like you as the owner but it's a duty that you owe to the other employees you know you owe that to the other employees to not select that person who you know is not gonna be a good fit but could take care of some short-term problems for you because that person's going to create long-term problems. And if you don't have that gut or you don't have the mental capacity to understand what I just said there about short-term decisions causing long-term problems, you know, when the decision is wrong, then again, you shouldn't be an owner um, of, the, of the company. So uh, there's also certain things that we talk about. We, we, we try to be as clear as possible about the job, about the expectation, about where you're at today versus where you could be a year from now, but also what you have to sacrifice and give up on your end to do that. You know, and at the end of the day, if you have those conversations and you have them appropriately, you can sleep well at night if it doesn't work out, you know, because that person decided not to act on a lot of it. Um, but as an employer, you also have a responsibility to get the person through the process. Um, and I believe that employers do need to do more to to support the people who want to get through that process. You know, it's, uh, it's tough, whether it's pest control or anything.
0: I agree. I agree. Um, you know, as, as, uh, it's hard to believe that we're already coming at uh, coming up to the tail end of our of our hour here. But I've got one question I wanted to leave you with, and you've you've kind of sprinkled a little bit of this, or actually, I should say sprinkle a, a lot of this throughout. But if you had to summarize, if somebody is listening to this today and they're saying, you know, all right, what this John guy is talking about? This sounds incredible, right? Whether it's you know, um, I'm wanting to jump into an underserved industry and, and kind of innovate my way through, or if it's, Hey, look, you know, I've, I've been thinking this passion project and I want to stand it up. And I I think that that's where I'm going to make my mark, but, but somebody saying, Hey, I want to branch out, be an entrepreneur, start things up and make it something that is scalable and growable. You know, is there a nugget that you would say, this is the thing that you need to protect, or this is the thing you need to keep in mind. If you really want this, this is what you've got to double down on.
2: Yeah. The the personal freedoms that you have, whether it's from working for another corporation, which is typically what what happens, those go away. You know, you vilify corporate America all you want. There's a lot of safety there. There's a lot of the ability to take PTO and forget about your job for a week. Um, you know, the sacrifices that you'll make early on to have those long term gains um are crazy real, you know. And the advice I have would be go talk to somebody else who's done it. Because those are the merit badges that I mentioned earlier. those are the things that we're all proud of. um and you you need to be able to remember that as you go through the process um, because otherwise it'll it'll bury you, you know, and it's not for everybody If, if it was it, there'd actually be a huge problem. so um you know from a labor standpoint, but regardless, um yeah that, that's that's my suggestion. you know, call somebody who's gone through it and you know, and then be willing to help other people as you go through the process as well. just do the right thing it It seems like the The good energy you put out um seems to make its way back to you. And and I'll volunteer myself. Um, if you put out my my name or my email or my phone number. Um, I didn't get here by myself, you know. Um, I got here by a bunch of people taking chances on me when they probably shouldn't have taken a chance on me, by a bunch of people believing in me when I'm not sure I even believed in myself, and by a bunch of people who had been successful just giving back because they believe it's the right thing to do. And I'm uber committed to returning all that to somebody else. So you know, my, my answer to you is talk to somebody else who's done what you want to do and ask them about the worst days, you know, and then also ask them about the best days. You don't have to go super negative there, but ask them about the best days as well. So that you know what the upside looks like and then really, truly gut check yourself on, do you want to go through that process? And do you have the skill set um, to go through that process?
0: I appreciate that. There's a, there's a humility and an authenticity in that and really kind of throughout this entire conversation, which you know, parallels the conversation we had when we got the opportunity to start working together that um, I think is really special. And uh, the thing that I've noticed after doing a number of these, you know, interviews with, with people who have walked a similar road is that those seem to be characteristics. If, if, you're, gonna, if you're gonna make a go at it, um, you know, you've got to have some humility to recognize, you know, okay, I'm not perfect, I'm not infallible and, and learn from those lessons. And you have to have an authenticity um, such that people want to follow you, right? Because that's that's the that's the the mantle of the leader, right? Is uh, you got to have people who are willing to follow you if you if you're going to lead. Um, so, with that in mind, if somebody wanted to find out about Pest Friends and about what you guys are doing, how do they find you?
2: Well, then we've gotten a bunch of great publicity and press releases, but you know, easiest thing to do is call five two zero nine 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 bugs and you know talk to one of our people, including me. You can ask for me if you want, um, uh, or you can go to www. MyPestFriends.com. Uh, so my M-Y-Pest, pest p e s t friends f r i e n d s dot com. Um, go to our Facebook page. You know th- those are probably the three easiest areas to to find out about us. If you go to Google, you you can research us. You'll start to see that our reviews just simply outperform everybody else. Um, but it's because we care um, at a level that I think other people don't care about. So um, any way possible, if you just type in pest friends, like we're best friends, but pest friends into google it'll it'll pop up and we're expanding as fast as we can hire good people so if there's anybody listening that you know thinks that that worked out options for them like you know we we, we want to talk um but yeah google my best friends go to my call the number
0: well john thank you so much i appreciate you taking the time uh, to sit down and talk about just kind of your story and your business um i i appreciate knowing more about your company than i did from you know, when we first uh, kind of started talking about the possibility of working together. And uh, the more that I've learned, the more proud I am to have, uh, you know, that, that we are to have you guys as a client. So um, yeah, with that said, thank you so much for taking the time to, to sit down with us and share your story with, uh, with our listeners. To all those who are listening, thank you for taking uh, some time out of your afternoon. And uh, this is Matt Nelson with Culture at Work in Tucson and John Smalley, President and CEO of Pest Friends here in Tucson. Signing off, we'll catch you next month. Thanks much, everybody.